Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I have an episode that I have been looking forward to for a long time. You guys have probably even heard me talk about today's guests, um, maybe not by name, but by influence and, um, you know, just uh, like I said, influence. He's had just a major impact and we were kind of talking off screen before we started recording. I think sometimes people don't even realize how much they've impacted you, but Mike Gleason, our guest today, actually um, was brought into my life at a period of time where, you know, even this morning I was talking with a coach that I work with and um, I started my first business at 24. I met Mike that year. He was one of our, the first clients that I actually worked with um, starting that business. And and he was just always so generous with his knowledge and information. And and there were several things which Mike will get into this, but there were ser- you know things that you said to me along the way and and helped me with even trucks. I don't know if you remember the conversation. We can talk about this, but when I was buying vehicles, you were giving me advice on you know financing and and honestly even real estate. I got involved in real estate shortly thereafter. And, and today's guest was such an impact uh, in that arena. I'm super excited because the period of time that we're in is very, you know, it can be confusing and volatile. And I love the scripture, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And when you have a guy like we have on the show today, who's um, not only himself been through many different, uh, you know, different economic scenarios, but He's got a dad and, and many mentors himself that have been in the industry for a long time. And um, so just super excited to have him here today and, and kind of just navigate some tough times. So Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. It's good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you. Uh, let's <laughs> jump, let's jump into the questions and then I'll, I'll, I'll circle back. So who's had the greatest impact on your life? Uh, it's it's gotta be my father, my namesake. I'm Michael Jr. It's Michael Sr. Um, he was, a uh, he was born in Illinois. His dad was a pretty mean drunk. Mm. His mom was somewhat disconnected and they got pushed, kind of pushed out of Illinois and moved to LA when he was about four, but he didn't go with his interest story. He didn't go with them um, for about the first six months. But when he was about five years old, they stuck him on a train in Peoria with a sack of sandwiches and said, get off in LA mm. and make sure that the people on the train said, don't get, don't let him get off till he gets to LA. So that's, you know, when you're five years old, that's a tough thing to do. Um, and so he, you know, he moved out to LA and I think it was 1940, um, was fortunate enough to go to Catholic school, get brought up by the Jesuits, um, who really imparted education on him. Um, and he worked his way through college, worked his way through law school, um, and was fortunate enough in the early, early seventies, late sixties to get involved with, uh, a man named Ernest Hahn and Ernie Hahn in Cal was probably one of the top three mall developers in the world at that time. He went, he built fashion show mall in Las Vegas oh, wow. and he kind of, he kind of took a liking to my dad on the legal end. And so for 30 years, they worked together building malls. And my dad became one of the, 
original guys for doing all the legal documents for retail real estate, hmm. TCNRs, REAs. And he was always working. He either worked for like the Nordstrom family, JC Penney's. There was a company, that, um, you know, so he was just, and he was just a brilliant guy, but he was so nice, so humble. Um, always had, you know, was always bringing in junior attorneys underneath him, bringing them into stuff, you know, and most of the time, they would all end up going off to be great attorneys. And he was always happy about that. Mm. Loved training people, loved training young attorneys because he had got those advantages when he was young and always wanted to pay it back. Um, he was just the nicest, uh, nicest person. Um, you know, unfortunately, my mom passed away about 25 years ago. Um, and my dad passed away a few years ago. Mm. But there's not a day that goes by that I, you know, if I'm doing business, I'm always... Okay, what would dad, uh, how would he, how would he handle situations like this? Um, and I watched my brother and my sister who are attorneys who, who practice with him. Um, and they'll say the same thing, you know, is he just was a brilliant person when it came to the law, but also with people. Um, so it's probably, obviously, I used to love going to the events when people would say, oh, are you related to Mike Gleason, the attorney? And I'd always say, well, tell me about it. Hmm. And they'd say, oh, I loved working with them. You know, I mean, the only bad thing I ever said is sometime I'd, someday I'd like to sit on the same side of the table as that asshole. <laughs> you know, and that. But, you know, it, it, it was always so much fun um, to, to hear people say, oh, are you Mike's son? Hmm. And, that. and then he always got a kick out of, you know, 30 years later when people would go to him, Oh, are you related to that Mike Leeson in Las Vegas? You know? And he'd always say, well, tell me about it. Hmm. And they say, Oh yeah, we were doing a broker. He's a broker for us. We were building a shopping center. And, uh, you know, he said, yeah, that's my son. That's cool. So he was, he, it was, you know, he, he was, he was there. Um, I mentioned his, um, client, Ernie Hahn. Um, Ernie was a brilliant man. Um, besides fashion show mall, he did like Horton Plaza down in San Diego. I mean, he did, he did malls all over the place. Um, and his advice that he gave, I was working in Phoenix, kind of getting tired of Phoenix. We'd just gone through the SNL crisis. It was kind of a brutal time there. I was watching things happen and I had an opportunity to go to Las Vegas and I was like, was talking to him on the phone going, I don't know. And he goes, are you stupid? He goes, go to Las Vegas. He goes, go be a big fish in a little pond. I said, Vegas has got a lot of a lot of legs. And this was 1988. Hmm. And I said, all right. So he's the reason I went to Las Vegas. Wow. Um, and, and he, you know, and, and, and then the third person, when I went over there and opened up an office for a company, uh, and we were building some shopping centers, um, was a lady who tried to bring me a deal. Um, Cause I was supposed to be in Las Vegas for like a year, year and a half. Uh, and this girl showed up and she had a flaky tenant. We never actually ended up doing a deal, but I took her to lunch. And, um, as of November, we'll be married for 31 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, that's you know, awesome. it was, that's kind of what kept me in Las Vegas. That's cool. Um, but it was, it was, it was a great, the advice to get there, was the best thing that it did. It gave me the opportunity to meet my wife. Um, so those are really the three people 
I love it. You know, and I can say different directions. I can say just, you know, when, when you talk about Mike Gleason senior, I can, I can attest that, um, you know, everybody that I know that has ever met you, um, just has these same amazing things to say. Um, there's, there's several of us that still your name comes up because you're always just so generous with your knowledge and time and information. And I love, you know, over the years we've, we've done business together too. And even, even while I was working for you as a client, you were always present. You were always teaching me, you were always helping me. So that, that benevolence and generosity has definitely, you're, you're just a kind human. So I, it's interesting hearing that about your dad, because you can, you can see that kind of trend down through um, the way that you've carried yourself. So that's cool. I appreciate, I appreciate that. That's, you know, my wife's kept me that, that way over all the years. Cause there's a lot of things, you know, over the, you know, the last 35 years of business that could have soured me Mm -hmm. very quickly, but that's, you know, that's business too. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so it's been nice, you know, that's, but I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much. And it's fun. Uh, you know, not to jump off something. I got another kid working at the ranch today who's doing some electrical work. And I don't know if, and, and he's, he worked for a big company. He's got his own company started now and I've given him some, some electrical work and he's just the nicest guy. And he's just, and I see him, he shows up there with his wife, his wife helps him out. They got two little kids That's cool. and I was telling him about you. Nice. I was saying, and he knows who you are and I'm sure you know who he is. I don't want to bring his name up in that, but, um, he's trying to get his own business going in outcome and he's in the exact same position you are. And he's the nicest guy. He's going to work. He works hard. He's fair. Um, and it's fun. I like seeing that. It's fun. You know, cause I, we were all in that position at one time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. You know? If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Um, it's probably been the ability to move with the markets. Um, and I say that from a position, my main business that I started in 1991 was a company called ROI commercial real estate. We were broke. We were a brokerage company in, in Las Vegas. I started that with a part, my partner, Dan Adamson. Um, and we, we were, it, it was, it was, we were specifically doing retail real estate. Uh, and as I said earlier, um, we had to, we were small, but we were small enough to adapt and move with the market. So if the market was going up and it was a tenants market, we were representing tenants. And if it was a seller's market, we could, we could move quickly and, and, and start representing and start representing sellers or buyers. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't, just get stuck doing one thing. And as the market moved, you know, and, and you could always stay doing tenant rep, but if the, the, the tenant rep stuff wasn't there, you really had to move on the landlord side. You had to be able to, you had to be flexible. And I think that's, as I said, um, as long as the market's going like this, I can make money. As long as it's going up or down, I can figure out how to make money. It's when the market goes flat. That is the really, really hard time. So I think probably one of my best things has been the ability to move with the market, but also in the industry that I was in, it was the ability to make relationships with the, the decision makers of the retailers. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause the great thing about the retail business is, you know, I'd go to work, you know, I get hired by a guy who was the head real estate at Del Taco. And we ended up doing 50 Del Taco deals over 
20 years. Hmm. But, you know, he'd have, he'd bring bringing up a guy underneath him who would leave and go to work for Office Depot. And he would call me and say, hey, I'm going to work at Office Depot. Do you want to do Office Depot deals with us? So we'd go do 10 Office Depot deals. So it wasn't just a one, it wasn't a transactional, one transaction at a time. It was, you were building a relationship with these people. And, and it was fun because I worked with one guy who started off in an auto parts, doing real estate for an auto parts store, moved to, moved to a restaurant chain, moved to um, Office Depot, and then moved to Kohl's department stores as the, head of, uh, as the head of Kohl's. And everywhere he went, because we had this relationship, because our families, we had met each other, because our kids, he would call and say, all right, I'm at Kohl's now. I need six stores in Las Vegas. Um, and it was just, it, it, and that's what was fun about it. It was a, it's a relationship business. It's not a transactional business. And I think that's really comes down to the relationships. And as we talked about earlier, I know these people, I like these people, I trust them. And I think it's the same way with them. Yeah, it's so good. And you know? I, I like just as a little, uh, a little plug here, Mike and I, we had a 30 minute, uh, conversation before this conversation that was, uh, was really great. And so I have a private community. This is a little commercial here, Mike, but I have a private community. If you're interested in that community, just text the word elite to 480-531-7519. I'm going to post a portion of that conversation in there um, in the private community because that's what we do. I, I have like these amazing conversations and and we put them in those communities. So if you're interested in joining that community, 480-531-7519, text the word elite and you'll hear some uh, off-camera conversations that Mike and I had. So Mike, circling back, the one thing that is really interesting, you were talking off-camera, and that's why I brought it up, about like social media and the relationship side of things. And, and that's what I love about, you know, just being able to kind of weave this together. Because I, from the time I've met you, it didn't matter. I mean, even as a small business owner just getting started, like you were mentoring me for free, even though like, Heck, I think I probably spent hours at your ranch just talking to you when I was supposed to be working. And fortunately, it was uh, my my own my own business, so I wasn't like you know robbing from my boss or whatever. But you've always been so generous, and I've always really appreciated that about you. And so when you bring that back, like you're thinking about it's what I love about you when you're thinking that long game. You truly believe that like business is a relationship piece, and and it so plays out. Um, one thing over the course of the time that I got to know you, you were constantly even as I was buying single family properties in the early days, I remember you saying, you know, you need to, even a couple of times you tried to invite me into some investments and I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet and I didn't understand it, but you're the first person that brought, and a lot of my audience is looking for freedom. They're, they're young syndicators are just getting started in real estate. You're the first person that brought up that term, uh, even syndication and, and started teaching me about, you know, putting investments together and all of that. And I didn't understand it. I remember you even when I sold, when I got bought out of the business and you were talking about, you, you turned me on to the book. I don't know if you remember this, but you turned me on to Gene Trowbridge's book. Do you remember telling me about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was the first time I got that in my hand. And I remember literally going to Phoenix and reading that over, and I don't know why, but he was charging like $300 for that book. Maybe because it was early in syndication was kind of a, a newer, you know, concept as far as obviously it's been going on forever, but as far as marketing and everything. And I remember going to Phoenix and reading that book and I don't, I don't think I've ever got to tell you this, but 
as you were telling me all of that and piquing my interest, and, and I'm a slow learner, so it took me a few years to figure it out. <laughs> um, I remember talking with a guy about syndication. And, and as soon as I got bought out of that business, I wanted to understand it more. And somebody texted me, um, the real estate guys were having a syndication seminar. And you had planted so many seeds in my brain that when I got curious about it and read read that book, that kind of led me toward you know, getting more interested. And I guess the point that I'm saying in all of this too, is you've never really asked me, you've never asked me for anything. And I think so many times in this day and age, like people think about coaches and mentors and masterminds. There's so many paid communities that you can get into just like the one that I mentioned. But honestly, like some of my best and greatest mentors mentored me like you did for free and never asked for anything from me. That's because we had people that did the same thing to us. So it's one of those, you know, pay it back, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, the same thing. And, and you talk about the long game and it's true. And, you know, I'm to the point in my career right now where I'm really, my investments are, I still have some syndications that I'm the, G, the GP on that I, that I manage and, um, and that, and I've got just a few partners that are family, you know, longtime friends and that. And, um, but I'm out looking for passive income right now. Um, so that I can, as I told you, my thing, my the story of horizontal income. Um, many years ago, I want those checks when I'm horizontal on the beach. And mm-hmm. it was funny this morning, my wife and I were sitting out on the patio looking at the water. And I said, you know, there's nothing more exciting than opening up your computer and looking at your bank account, seeing that I got two more rent checks in today. <laughs> Knowing that, that, I, that I'm down here. And it's, it, it, you, you talk about the long game. And I think that's one of my it's taken me 30 years to realize how important the long game is. Mm. Um, whether it's compound interest, you know, in that I get, you know, I get more on some dividends and stocks than, than I, than my initial investment in them these days. Um, or, you know, paying off a property over, you know, having enough rent to you, you, you know, it took you 15 or 20 years, but eventually you paid it off. And now it really, you know, now you, now you've got a lot of opportunities. You can refinance and pull cash out. You can just live off the cash, whatever you want to do. Um, and that long game. And I had people that taught me that. So it's fun to watch. And, and you know, and I've been able to invest in, 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 in some of your stuff um, because I, you know, I, I got to know you, I trust you. Um, and it just, you know, people got, people got me into deals when I was young. And, you know, I've gotten people into deals and I like getting into other people's deals. It's, you know, it's, a, it's a circle, you know, I mean, if what, you know, what goes around comes around and if it's good, it keeps coming around in a good way. I love it. So good. What was your greatest setback, Mike? And what did you learn from it? I think my biggest setback was in about 2009 or 2010, we had been doing work for a, a developer for several years and in the retail shopping center industry, you know, you're doing a lot of work on the come. Um, you're not getting paid. You may have leases done, but you're not getting, you're not getting um, paid on those deals till they're able to pull building permits. And in a big shopping center, that could be 12, 18 months. And you're not getting the second half of it until that tenant opens for business. That could be, t- so you're, so you may get a deal done and you might not get paid on it for two years. Mm-hmm. And we had, we got a couple big projects done for a, a, a group in Vegas. And then they decided to sell out to a bigger company. 
And it was one of those companies and they're not around anymore. They ended up going out of business, but it was a very short sighted company that their, you know, their way of, of showing profits was firing people and renegotiating deals with people. Hmm. And they came to us and they, we had about two and a half million dollars in the books that we were owed. And, you know, and we're trying to keep We're keeping our company going during this, this time as well. And they came back to us and said, no, nah, I don't think we're going to pay you on this. We don't, we don't think it's due. And, and so for a year and a half, we had, I mean, I hate suing people, especially coming from a family of attorneys and, and they're, they're real estate attorneys. So they're, they're not litigators, but for about a year and a half, we had to, we had to sue them. And I had these partners in this other company that sold, I thought they were my friends. And I thought that when this other company really started screwing us, that they would stand up and say, Hey, look, this is not right. And they didn't. They just kind of took their money and said, uh, sorry, mm. you know, you can deal with these guys. And these were the kind of guys that we were suing that said, well, you know, you may get money from us, but it's going to cost you as much in legal fees as you're ever going to get from us. Mm. And so for about a year and a half, I was in lawsuits doing depositions and it just physically and emotionally took a toll on me. Mm. And got me to the point where, you know, and it was at the point where the business for me wasn't that much fun anymore. Um, and I just finally went to my partner and said, we're going to settle. We're going to get 10 cents on the dollar. Um, and we're going to move on. Mm. Life's too short to do with this. And when we're done with that, I'm going to sell you half the company. Um, and you're going to buy, you're going to, you're going to buy my half of the company and I'm going to move on. Cause I really, it just took a, it took a toll on me watching people I thought were friends, not stand up and support me, mm. uh, and took a toll on me, the legal end of it. And just, I just finally said, I said, you know, look, I got one partner that I need to worry about. That's my wife. Mm. And I know she's going to stand up for me. So, you know, something we're going to, we're going to have, we have our, some of our deals and we're going to do more deals. And that's my partner from now on. And, and that was the best thing I learned about it, that when it comes down to it, you know, my, my business partner I had, he was very good. He stood up for me because it, 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 it was his money as well. Yeah. Um, but what I learned from it is that when it really comes down to it, you know, you've got that, if you're fortunate enough to be married to a good person, you've got that one partner. Um, and you got to, you know, that's so you, and, and, and it made me appreciate that more and more and the deals we've moved on to now she's my partner in everything and we look at the deals um and it's it's you know we and we've been able to move into a lot of really good deals um and i think that's what i learned from it i learned from it when it what, what's really really important in my life and it was the it was my health because the, the losses were killing me mm -hmm. and my blood pressure was up it was just awful yeah. um and that life's too short i gotta move on and we did. And it's was the best thing I ever did. So good. And, you know, I have to interject too, because this is another thing that I've watched. I, I got to know you and, and, and Julie, obviously, you know, well, I was, tw I was 25, I think when, no, 24, probably when I met you um, and watching you guys as a couple, but then also with your sons, um, you, you guys are like the epitome and we need, we need like influences in our life models, role models, if you will. And, you know, just watching the way that you've been with your family, uh, you know, here at investing for freedom, I mean, the, the podcast is called investing for freedom and, 
everything that I've, I don't know that I intentionally understood it, but when I see people like you, um, you've modeled that. And so I want to just acknowledge and appreciate that once again, because it's so rare. And that's been my entire message is that, you know, you can have successful business, you can have, and it doesn't mean that it's always perfect or easy or anything else. Um, there's a ton of challenges along the way, right. but you can have success and have a great marriage and have amazing children. And it's been, um, not only exciting and, and fun to watch you, but it's been, um, it's just been an honor in my life too, because there's just not enough examples. And so, you know, mirroring that back to you, that's one thing that I can, and again, I know it's not always easy, but I think most people think that you can either, you either have success in life or a family or a successful marriage or a successful business, and you can have it all. Well, and and I've been through enough ups and downs and markets from the SNL crisis in the eighties in Phoenix to, you know, several different ones. And I've seen people manage it properly. And I've seen people ruin kids with tons of money mm. uh, and ruin the family and, and that. And I've seen, and, and, and I mean, we have conversations with several of my friends who are much wealthier than I am to talk about, you know, what is the best way to motivate your kids to give them enough to succeed or to, to motivate them, but not enough to ruin them. Mm. Uh, and I've seen it ruin a lot of people. And I've seen a lot of people, you know, my wife and I were talking the other day, you know, there's tough times like this. And the one thing, you know, I may be jumping ahead a little bit, but the one thing that we always never did is we never defined who we are by our businesses. Because mm. um, if you can't separate yourself, your personal from your business. Now, you have to have your emotions into it. You can't do it without it. But I watched, you know, when the market was tough and, you know, in 2009, when things were tough, I had friends whose businesses were going down and they killed themselves. Mm. They jumped off a building, shot themselves. I remember in, I remember in 1986, 87, when the SNL crisis was crashing, I remember people that I had met and here in the next day, you know, killed himself. Mm. And I just, I just always thought, God, I, you know, first of all, it's just an awful way, but you know, they were so connected to their business. They thought that their business was them, Mm -hmm. that if it was a failure, that they were a failure. Mm. Um, And it's, it's, it, 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 it hurt to watch. I mean, one of the guys was one of the biggest land guys in, in Vegas. We went to college together. I'd known him forever and you know, he just, but his business was him. And when things started getting tough, he couldn't, he couldn't handle it. Mm. Um, so to separate our business from our, you know, from our personalities, um, you know, we've always said if we lost it all, when we could start again, I know how to bartend. I know how to cook. <laughs> I, I, you know, I can, I can, I, can, I, I, I have, I have nunchuck skills. Yeah. You know, I can, I can figure that. I can figure that stuff out. So we're not defined by our, where our businesses are. But I also saw a lot of people um, who just went too far with their businesses too, that just leveraged and leveraged and leveraged and then lost everything. Mm. So it's trying to find that happy medium where you've got the happy family, you've got the happy wife and all that. And that's, that's a balancing act. And we saw a lot of that. I remember when Julie and I took you and Kara, and I think you only had two kids at the time. We took you to the rodeo. Mm-hmm. 
the sat in the box, the rodeo up in Elko. Yeah. I think Tara was pregnant with your third one. It must've been, how old is she now? About 20? Uh, my, your youngest one. My youngest is 18. So it would have been, yeah. So it would have been about that time. Yeah. Um, and Julie, I remember Julie and we were coming out and Julie going, God, they just reminded me of us. Just reminded of us, you know, so nice. It's so nice to see, you know, it's in that. And so getting wrapped, taking it in a roundabout way. I had people that did that for me and it's, it's, there's nothing more fun than watching it, you know, watching your kids succeed, watching your friend, you know, watching your friends succeed, watching people start businesses and get, and keep them going. It's and, 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 and succeed. That for me is exciting these days. I love it. This, you said you made a comment about jumping ahead and I don't know if it was to this, but what is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Was that part of that or? That was, that was part of it. Don't define, you, 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 you don't define yourself by your business. Mm. I and mean, that was one thing. Um, I got a couple other things um, that I learned. A guy taught me a long time ago was never confuse effort with results. Mm. Um, you know, you can, if it, if it takes me two hours to get it done and it takes you 20 hours to get it done, is yours a better result just because it took you 20 hours and it only took me two hours. Um, and I had, we had an attorney tell me this one time I, and I needed some work done at the County. Um, and I had a part, I had a, a partner who, who, who went down there and said, and came back to said, look, he's going to get this, he's going to get this stuff done for us and it's going to be 20 grand. And I said, well, how many hours is it going to take? And he goes, it doesn't matter whether it takes him two hours or 20 hours, it's still going to be 20 grand. Yeah. And it's worth every penny to us that, that, that he gets it done. And he looked at me and said, never confuse effort with results. Wow. That's and it's, you know, it's, it's true. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, I, I, not to bring politics into it, but it's like when they gave Obama the Nobel prize for coming up with a meeting for on peace, but no, he never really actually did anything. <laughs> um, there were no results on it. Yeah. Um, but everybody said, Oh, it was a good try. Well, there's been a lot of people that swing really hard and miss the ball. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's, that's, that's one of the things. Um, and then the other thing that's kept me going when I was young is that failure is not an option. Mm. You know, I mean, you got to, if you're going to go into something, you have to go into it with the fact that failure is not an option, especially, you know, and you've seen this and, and, and if you're, if people are trusting you with their money, you know, and, and I only, you know, I only, I only do deals where I have my own money into it. Cause I can't go to somebody and say, yeah, come put, you know, a million dollars in it. How much do you have in it? Well, I don't have any, but I get 20%. Uh, I mean, I've seen people do that and I, I just don't have the balls to do that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that when you're doing that, you just failure is not an option. If it's not working, You've got to, you know, you got to be able to move and pivot and, you know, things might not go. And you, you, you know, you, you and I have had this conversation, you know, how, okay, this is, this is not going the way you want it, but this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And this is the plan. It's when the guys, and I've seen it before when things go tough, they just go radio silent and you got to start tracking them down. And then you're trying to figure out what's going on and that. So, you know, you just got to have, you got to have that mindset that, no matter what, you know, and, 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 and failure might, the, the, the deal might not work out and that, but that doesn't mean it was a failure because you did everything you can. 
but still you've got to go into it with a mindset that failure is not an option. Yeah. The old NASA people. It's good. I you like know? it. Well, and I like the, <laughs> it, it's reminding me one time I heard Donald Trump say, never, ever quit. But if you're going to quit, I was like, oh, that, that that's kind of interesting. Um, just a little side note, the way, the way that he said it. But I love that failure is not an option because I think a lot of times when things start getting hard, people, you got to push through that. And man, I've had some, well, even when COVID hit, we had to adjust our entire business model because we couldn't get, we, we bought these, um, you know, mobile home parks that needed a whole bunch of homes set and we couldn't get homes and all this stuff. And I watched, um, I watched a lot of people just stick their head in the sand and be like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. And it's like, you, you have to, you like, you got to push through this. And I even watched a couple partners of, of mine along the way do exactly, you know, what, what, like things get hard and, and they're just like, well, there's nothing we can do about it. You have to keep going. Right. I mean, yeah, I agree. And when, I mean, I watched when the market was, was really tough in 2010 or so. And I had some guys that owed me money. This is another group. And a couple of them just said they filed bankruptcy and it wasn't a lot, but you know, they filed bankruptcy and I'm an unsecured creditor. I'm never going to do it. And then I had a couple guys who came to me and said, look, we have an, you know, we can just file bankruptcy and you're screwed. But look, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'm never going to get everybody whole, but I want to get you something. Mm. And I said, you know, I appreciate that. And that, you know, because that's, that's standing up and being, you know, being a man um, or a woman, whatever it's, it's, you know, and, and, and to this day, I appreciate those people, you know, and, 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 you know, and yeah, we may have lost some money, but we got, you know, but they did everything they could to at least get us a little bit back. Cause a lot of it wasn't their fault. Hmm. A lot of it was just with the market. They just got taken down with the market. Um, and that, and then, but the guys that just said, Oh, sorry, we're just going to file bankruptcy and sorry, you're screwed. A lot of them never even came and said, you know, I'm sorry. They just, we just never heard from them. And I'll see them in town once in a while and I'll be walking one way and I'll watch them walk all the way around the room so they don't have to, they don't have to look me in the eyes. Jeez. And that's, and, and, and that's not a good, you know, I, I feel sorry for them. Yeah. I wouldn't want to live my life that way. Yeah. You know, and if they were to just come and say, you know, I'm sorry, you know, it didn't work out, you know, and, and that I'd say, okay, it's fine. I've had deals that we've lost money on, you know, and I can, I can deal with that. I'm a big boy, yep. but stand up and, you know, be a man about it. Yeah. That goes back to your relationship piece, which is obviously one of your values. So I'm curious with all of your experience, you go back to the SNL and I mean, you've, you've been through, you've been through some ups and downs and I like what you said about, you know, you can make money in the up markets, you can make money in the down markets. It's the flat markets that are challenging. I'm curious to get out Mike's crystal ball, like what, what's your, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, this is what I love about this show. And, and, you know, I bring on people with different viewpoints and it doesn't mean anybody's right or wrong. But again, like I said earlier, there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel and the more opinions and thoughts about, you know, the macro perspective that we can get, um, the better we can come to our, I guess, outlook. And so I'm, I'm just curious about what you're, you know, your overarching opinion is whether it's about real estate or, you know, just the next few years, I guess we could go a million directions, but what's your well, thoughts? I, I mean, I think the first, the, the, the biggest question people have these days is interest rates. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first projects that I was working on for a company called the Leo Eisenberg company when I was in Phoenix right out of school 
and who at the time was one of the largest developers. We were building Walmart Safeways all over the, you know, all over the country. Um, we were performing deals at 17 to 18%, you know, interest rates. And we could figure out how to make them work. Yeah. Um, and so I, you know, in my first house I bought was at nine and a half percent. Um, and that I bought in Scottsdale in 1986, I think, or 87. Um, so when I see people going, oh my God, interest rates have gone from 3% to 5%. I'm like, really? You know, they're going to 7%. Okay, really? Figure out how to make it work. If it doesn't work, don't do it. But there's always ways to kind of figure out how to get through those things. So I, I, I'm not so worried about interest rates. Um, you know, everything, if we, if we have debt on anything, our, our, my wife and I have, if we have debt, it has to have rent to cover it. We will not take debt on something that doesn't have rent to cover it. So if it's land, we have to be able to pay cash for it. Mm -hmm. Things like that. That's just become our personal philosophy. Nice. Um, but we will use financing. You know, we, we're very, you know, we'll, we'll, if we got something that's going, we'll finance it out and use, you know, use the bank in that. Um, what I'm looking at right now, uh, a couple things. We've been doing a lot of private investing. Um, I think the next big step in real estate is the secure the security tokens the tokenization of equity um, which is going to allow the small investor to and get involved directly into the equity of commercial real estate residential real estate multi you know multifamily that without having to either own it themselves or through a necessarily through a syndication or doing it through a REIT so, you know, if, I mean, I'm like, I'm in, there's a company, the St. Regis uh, Hotel in Aspen. Um, they tokenized a big chunk of their equity um, and they, they traded on the T0 platform. And you can buy the equity. It trades for like, I think, $10. I mean, a token and a share are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's going to be a way for people to really realize their equity. Um, to basically almost take it public without the cost of taking it public. It used to be that if you wanted to take a company public, you were going to basically have a million dollars out of pocket mm -hmm. where all the costs of wall street, the whole thing. And now you could basically, you know, if you wanted to, uh, I'm involved in a company called Curzio research, um, trades under CURZ. I got involved in their original private placement trades on the T zero guy named Frank Curzio does, um, investment market research. Really good guy. He's got a really good podcast. I mean, he's followed by millions of people. Um, and we got, we got involved, we got involved in that. And he was able to basically take his company public for a couple hundred thousand dollars. Mm. And now I'm starting to see a lot of these companies um, are really out there. Uh, it's really free. It's, 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 it's giving a whole nother uh, way for people to raise equity for if you're a, if you're if you have the token in in a in a piece you can sell it it's very easy for you to sell it it's it's difficult if you're in a, if you're an LLC or something to, to sell your shares mm -hmm. right now if you want to get out this this is liberating those people to do things like that and it's going to be a really I think it's you're going to see it um, it's got got all the blockchain behind it so you you know it's easy you can you can you can monitor who owns what what sold to who very easily. Uh, I think it's going to liberate um, real estate over the next several years. It's going to be a great way to raise money, to um, free up equity, 
uh, in properties and, and to bring a, a, a very large amount of small investors in to it. Um, so I've been working a lot with that. I've been trying to really have a lot of time trying to teach myself this whole web 3.0. Yeah. Um, and I really think it's, I really think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. You know, when you got the whole meta metaverse, I mean, Frank and his company, we just paid 5 million bucks for a plots of land on TCG metaverse. Hmm. Uh, and at the time it was the largest, you know, three weeks ago, it was the largest purchase of real estate in the metaverse that had been there. This last week, a company just came into the TCG and paid $110 million for a piece of real estate within the, within the metaverse. Wow. Um, there was an article this morning in the Wall, I think it was yesterday's Wall Street Journal from Jamie Dimon that JP, that his bank is leasing land within the Decentraland metaverse. So, so somebody owns that land and the bank is, the bank is leasing it from him. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about. And sometimes it's hard for me to get my arms around. But I think it's, you know, I'm seeing a, seeing a ton, a ton of money going into it. Yeah. Um, and so I, 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 I'm keeping an eye on that. It's interesting. And then just hard assets. Yeah. I love hard assets. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious on the, just to maybe get in the weeds a little bit. I'm curious on the tokenization of real estate. Is it because like right now, if we're going to go out and, you know, let's say we're going to go buy five Airbnbs, you know, in a small fund or something, you go through, create a private placement memorandum and, you know, minimum investments, 50,000, a hundred thousand accredited investor, blah, blah, blah. Can, if we wanted to do that, could we go somehow tokenize something right now? And do you think, do, yeah. are you going to have to go through the same, do, is it like a security? Do you have to register it? It, 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 it basically is a security for all intents and purposes, um, because the, to you know, there was those people doing those initial coin offerings a few years ago, selling a whole bunch of, you know, claiming that, but those tokens had no utility and they had no, they had no, they had no claim to the equity. Mm -hmm. It was just a quick, you know, it was a way for them to, you know, it was like the guy, remember Oculus Rift? Yeah. It did the, the big camera thing. Uh -huh. And he did that initial coin offering and raised like, nine million dollars and all these people thought they were getting equity in oculus rift mm. all they were getting actually was a way to buy the the the, the lenses at a, at a discount and then i think it was facebook that came in and paid like a billion dollars for it and all these people thought they were going to get rich but it turns out they didn't have any there wasn't equity mm. and so the and so this is the next step beyond that a security token where you actually have a claim to the equity. So you would basically take a portion of the equity within an LLC, tokenize it. And, you know, there's obviously some legal documents and all that stuff you have to go through. Um, but it gives you the ability to then sell those tokens. Mm -hmm. So whether you price them at a thousand dollars, you know, whatever you want, it, it, it just opens it up. So somebody doesn't have to come in with 25, 50, hundred, $250,000. Yeah. Um, and, and so you can go on to a, there's several sites right now. I mean, Frank Curzio is actually working with several companies right now as a consultant for them to do it. Um, the T zero exchange that they trade under is bringing more and more real estate onto it. Um, actually the T zero exchange, the guys who run it were, um, there's some, there's somehow or another, they are affiliated with the New York stock exchange, but they've invested in this, this exchange. But I, I'm watching, I'm trying to figure out, I, I'm looking at it for some of my projects right now where we've got some equity 
in some deals. Uh, I've got some partners that would like to maybe cash out part of their equity without leaving the entire deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And it may be a way for them to do that. Um, So I I think that this tokenization is, is got a lot of legs and you're going to start, you're starting to see more and more companies, you know, not just real estate in that, but I think real estate is the simplest way to understand it. Yeah. And I think that there's so much, if you think about the amount of equity that's out in the market in real estate right now, Mm -hmm. the potential of that tokenization market is massive. Yeah. I've been thinking about this for a while and I agree with you and I'm, um, I, I think it's cool that you're ahead of the curve on it, but I've thought about, you know, different aspects of this. It's like water, the path of least resistance. And when you look at blockchain and you, and you look at the technology old school, like from the time, and I mean, n- nobody that I know better than you understands this, but you buy a piece of land and you do the entitlements and then you build the building and you've got a deed. And when you look at all that stuff and go into the county recorder's office, and when you look at uh, the title companies and title insurance and even appraisals, like so much of this goes, I don't want to say goes away, but it's, it, it, the, the path of resistance is, is so much less when, when we get to a point where, you know, you can go buy a piece of land that's entitled on the blockchain and, and, you know, put houses or buildings or whatever there, even when you're talking about, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. I've thought about when you have a token, let's say you have a piece of property that's worth a million dollars with a million tokens and, and you can sell them. I'm not saying that appraisers go away, but right now I just went through a whole appraisal process on a commercial building that took three months that should have taken three weeks. And it's interesting to me because if people owned tokens, then whatever the market wants to pay for that, it's not necessarily an appraiser that decides what something's worth. It's what somebody's willing to pay for my token. It's it's reappraised by the market every time a token is sold. Yeah. So good. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's real, it's real time. You know, it's, it, it's, it's real time. I mean, the, the title insurance issue, I mean, the, I, I know the title companies are, are, are worried about this right now mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to be involved in it. Um, you know, and I think that everybody saw what happened with GameStop and all that uh, and, and, and the monopoly that wall street has on investors and, you know, where with GameStop where those guys were shorting actually more stock than was available to short. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that was on the blockchain, that couldn't have happened because people would have been able to look and say, wait, they've shorted 50 million shares, but there's only 30 million shares out there. Yeah. You know, things like that, it, 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 it you know, they say it democratizes things a lot more and it, it just opens it up. But I also think it opens it up to, uh, it's like the whole DeFi, you know, it, it just, it, it takes the big guys somewhat out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think yeah, I think the big guys have to be involved, whether it's crypto or that. The big guys have to be involved because they bring the real money mm-hmm. into stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, the tokenization part of it really gives the little guy. I mean, I've seen there's there's a company that's got like twenty five or thirty little fourplexes in Detroit. Every one of them is tokenized. You can buy them. You can look at the address and say, I'm going to buy it here. And they they pay a dividend. Um, you know, and every, you know, and every time that, that one of those tokens trades, yeah, you now know what that property is worth, but if guys can get into it for 10, $20, $30. And that, I think that's, you know, I mean, I'm not sure how, if I was young right now, 
I'd really be jumping on this one. Yeah. Um, and, and we've, 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 we've gotten best. We're invested in a couple companies, like I said, that are, that are, that are doing it. And I've seen it be very successful. And I think it's, it's going to be more, it's going to be bigger and bigger. I love having this conversation with you because you're a longtime real estate person with a lot of experience, yet you're very on the front edge of wanting to see all this. And most of the time it's either, or it's a, you know, it's a young person that's like, oh yeah, this is all going away. Um, you know, on the tech front or, you know, a lot of real estate people are like, yeah, you can't, it's not going to work, but I'm really intrigued and excited to hear you say that you see it coming together too. Cause I've, I've seen the same thing and, and I, I, I just think it's going to create some efficiency that never existed before. That's the best way to describe it. It's, it's gonna, it's the efficiency of, of the market, which is the real estate market has thrived for a long time on inefficiency. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that wall street is, is, is thrived on. There's no reason you need market makers and all these people involved in, in that. That's, that, that's just a way to, to, to steal, you know, thousands of a penny every time there's a trade from, from the, you know, the retail investor, hmm. this, this, this frees it up. It, 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 it simplifies it. Um, and it, and it gives people, you know, a true view of, of what it is. So I, I like it. I mean, I think it's, it, it's fun to watch. It's, yeah. it's fun to watch, you know, and as you said, there's, there's always going to be people say, eh, it doesn't work. It's like the guys that we ranch with up there. You know, and it, it drives them crazy because I'm up there going, well, why do you do this? Why do you do this? Why do you do this? Well, that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> what if we did this? Well, that's not the way we do it. Yeah. <laughs> <It's so laughs> but funny. you start seeing things, you know, in the agricultural business, you're starting to see those guys are starting to go away and the, the new guys are coming in and you're starting to see different things. And it's the same thing with real estate, retail, all that. Yeah. It's, I think it's, and so it's fun for me to kind of watch, sit back and watch that. And be able to kind of invest in it a little bit. I love what you said earlier about, you know, coming back to hard assets. And I think that's what's really cool about this when you start seeing like Decentraland and blockchain and trying to understand it. I remember like so many times I've heard people say, what is it? And it's kind of like, you, it's hard to get your brain around that. But when we start coupling it, like you were saying, traditional hard assets with some new methodology of doing something, it just gets really interesting. So I'm curious to watch yeah, too. I, I mean, it, <laughs> The old saying, you got to follow the money. Mm -hmm. And there's big, big money going in. I mean, I saw Andreessen Horowitz the other day just put like $22 billion into one company, you know, that's doing a, a big metaverse. Um, those guys, you know, they don't have dumb money. Yeah. You know, so it, it's, it, you got to just sit back and, and, and you see what's going on. And, and I think, you know, you just, I just saw where, I think it's Fidelity said that people can invest up to 10 or 15% of their 401ks into crypto. Wow. So, I mean, cause right now, you know, like it or not, I mean, I think it's its, its own you know, asset market. Um, but it's never going to really, everybody keeps going, you know, crypto is going to go, you know, Bitcoin is going to go to a million. Well, it's never going to go to a million until the big money's in. Mm. And the big money is Fidelity vanguard all those people um and i know i know for a fact they're looking at for people in their 401ks and, and, and that right now the ability to invest in these tokens as well and it would be a great thing for some of these people to put in their 401ks gives them a, it gives them a true um they get to truly be in real estate not just a reit wow That's and cool. that 
And so I think that you're going to, when those guys really start moving in and they're looking at it, I think that it's time to figure out how I can get my little teeny piece of it. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, you know, it would be fun when you get a little further into this, if you, you know, getting a little further involved or it'd be fun to come back on and do a market update. Cause I, again, I, it's one thing to bring on a tech person that's super excited about technology, but to bring on somebody who has the background and the experience that you have that is also interested and intrigued in it, I would love to have you back on and, and you know, just get in yeah. the weeds on it. So that'd be fun. Yeah, you should talk to um, my friend Frank Curzio, who's, like I said, he's got, I'll send you his contact information. That'd be awesome. And that, and, and he's got, he's got, he does, I think, three podcasts a week. I mean, he's big time. Yeah. He's got millions and millions of people all over the world that follow him. Awesome. And he's, he's kind of the guy that's taught me about it. Cool. And that, but yeah, I will, um, I'll put you, I'll put you in touch to them, but I think it's, you know, I think it's, yeah. when you start to see it, it's, there's articles on, on the metaverse and the, and, and the, and all that stuff in the wall street journal every day. Yeah. Now, so, you know, something's, something's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love an intro. Um, so one last yeah. question slash curveball. I have never even asked this before. <laughs> Didn't prep you for it. So what, with all your experience and deals you've been in and everything else, what's your favorite deal you've ever done? Um, well, it, it, it was probably, um, we got hired back in 2009, um, by a company out of England called Tesco. You may have heard of them. They're one of the largest grocery store chains in the world. And they were going to come roll out some stores in the U.S. called Fresh and Easy. And for two years building up, and, and it was they were basically starting a whole new concept, 20,000-foot grocery store, because the Tesco's in, in, in England are massive. Um, they're kind of like the Walmart of England with groceries. And it was so much fun because I got to deal with these guys from England. They brought a whole bunch of them over, opened up an office in California. And they were so much fun to deal with. Um, and they really, their work environment, I mean, I, I've never seen a company take care of their employees so well. And these people would take a bullet for this company. Uh, and it was just so much fun to work with them you know, I'd get in conference calls with them and they all would start talking in their Cockney accents, you know, I've got trolleys and lorries and us. And I'd have to say, stop, stop. What the hell did you just say? And they would laugh and we had so much fun. We were, you know, it was always, we're going to work our asses off. And we did. And we ended up opening like 30 stores for them. Um, but it was, it, it, so it wasn't just one deal, but it was, it was just the guys that were involved in the deals. Mm -hmm. They were, it, it, it wasn't necessarily the deal. I mean, the deals are fun and we made a lot of money. Yeah. It was the people involved in the deal and they were the funnest people. I don't, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I mean, I have, I have a lot of friends that I've, that I've done business with that I still are very good friends in that, but that was one of the funnest cause it was so different been dealing with this, this European company that just had, uh, a way and their employees, like I said, the people that they sent over there were just the funnest, nicest people. And, you know, it, it was work hard, party hard. And it was, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. So, you know, I've always, I always told Tim, if I, the guy who was the head of the company, I'd love to come work for them for a while, just because 
of the way that they treated their employees. So good. Love and it. that, yeah. So that, that was probably the overall funnest one nice. I've ever, I've, I've ever had. And then I'll tell you, you know, the worst one is the last one I just did with, with caught with, uh, with sprouts and Petco and that I built a center for a friend of mine. I sold him the land 28 years ago and we finally built a shopping, we finally built a shopping center on there for him. I put the whole project together for him. And I remember my dad before he passed away going, Oh, did you have a closing party? And I go, Nope. Frankly, I don't even want to see these guys again. <laughs> and he goes, why? And I said, cause I never realized that there's a, a lot of these guys think lying is a negotiating technique. Hmm. And I just, that was the last one that kind of soured me on it. Uh, except for um, there was one lady who has a bakery that I put in there and she has the greatest Instagram page. And, and she was so much fun to do business with. And every time I see her, she's so happy to see me. Um, and that was, you know, just the little ones like that make it so much, so much fun. So I, I, I don't know if I could separate it. I can tell you some of the worst ones, but yeah, that, you know, it's just fun to see people every time uh, there's my mom used to say, when we'd walk through these shopping centers, she goes, can you hear it? I say, what? She goes, cash registers. Mm. They're going, people are, people are spending money. People are making money. People are smiling. That's why I always like retail because 99% of the country goes to a retail store at least once a year. Mm-hmm. How many people go to an industrial building? Some people, you know, a lot of people live in apartments Some people go to office, but retail, retail is fun. It, aff- it affects people. Um, and these guys at Tesco in England, man, they understood the whole shopping experience. It was, it, they were, it was just fun. I learned so much. It was some of the last deals, I, big deals I did, but I learned so much from them. It was crazy. Well, I, so Mike, I really want to be respectful of your time. I'm like 30 minutes over already, but with your retail background, and you can keep this short if you want, but with your retail background, what 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 does the future look like for retail? I you, I mean, you just kind of said it, but I'm just yeah. curious. Strong still? I, 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 I think it's strong. I mean, we've been investing um, with a, a company out of New Jersey. Um, you can block that. Around. They're called First National Realty Partners. Uh, we've invested in a bunch of their deals. They're buying grocery anchor shopping centers daily needs stuff. Mm-hmm. That's never going to go away. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I think that that's going to continue strong. Um, I think that, you know, I look at a, I still like going to Best Buy cause it's a fun store to walk through. Yeah. Uh, I mean, things are changing. I mean, you're, you're starting this, you know, the, the old shopping center, you know, what we used to do with a Walmart and a Safeway and a Payless shoes uh, and, a, and a Burger King out front. You're not going to see that many of, of those anymore. But I think retail strong people, people want to shop. And I, you know, granted, I mean, we, we all shop online a bit, but I still enjoy going to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I still enjoy, you know, touching the, the, the produce and that stuff. Um, it's like when we're down here in Mexico, I, I love going to the grocery stores here. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, the grocery stores here are, are, are really fun. Um, so I think retail strong. I think I, I'd be a little nervous about, Unanchored retail. If I had unanchored retail right now, I would probably be trying to find non-retail uses to put into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a big future for a lot of people, whether it's medical, um, office, things like that. Because I think a lot of people, um, I had a, a couple of friends who had businesses in large office buildings. And I think as a, as a, um, to make their employees feel comfortable, they moved into 
some big old retail buildings where the people don't have to wander through a whole office building down a hallway, all that Mm -hmm. they can park out front and walk right into the business. And I think a lot of their employees, he said that some of their employees felt more comfortable with that Mm -hmm. um, than having to get in elevators and do all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, I mean, there's still going to be office buildings in certain areas and that, but I think retail is going to progress, but I think the daily needs retail is never going to go away. Yeah. And that's what we've been really trying to invest in. Love those it. ones. Well, some sage advice. I love it. Any any last <laughs> words, Mike? Before uh, before I cut you loose? No, no, not really. I, I you know it's it's fun to watch what you're doing. It really is. It, it, it's it, it it's uh, it gives you kind of goosebumps to 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 watch people. You know that you you saw do that. And that's uh, it makes it makes me happy. Well, I can't stress it enough. I mean, you've been a you you've. Yeah, I know you're. I know you're going to shake this off, but you're you're probably a top. You're probably a top seven influence in my life. Oh, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I really do. And it's fun. Again, I learn. I, I, you know, I learn from you. I watch what's going on with you, and you know, and I appreciate that. But thank you very much. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show, and uh, yeah, let's uh, let's circle back and do it again when we get a a. a Decentraland investment done. <laughs> I think it's yeah. It, 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 we'll, we'll look. Maybe we'll maybe we'll syndicate a piece of the metaverse. That'd be fun. There's some guys in GoBundance that have actually been talking about it just to learn the process. Well, let me know when they're when they put those 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 uh, offerings out there. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Mike, and uh, appreciate the wisdom and just everything you've done right. for me. All right. Best to you and the family. Say hi to Kara. All right. Say hi to Julie and the boys. Cheers. I will. If you've found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.